Friends, I'd like to welcome you to this week's edition of Bishop Sheen Presents, a program where we feature some of the wit and wisdom of the venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. For over 50 years, Archbishop Sheen captivated audiences on both radio and television. Millions tuned in each week to hear his messages of hope and encouragement. It is my sincerest hope that the reflections that you will hear today on this broadcast will truly touch your heart and in a way show you that your life is worth living. Hello, my dear friends, and welcome to this week's edition of Bishop Sheen Presents. I'm your host, Al Smith, and I want to thank you for joining me this week as we celebrate the anniversary of the passing of our good friend, the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Archbishop Sheen went to be with our Lord and Our Lady uh, on December the 9th, 1979, and he leaves a legacy of books and audio recordings and television shows and uh, just uh, I want to say uh, a great testimony of God's love. Uh, you see the hand of God when you look at his life. Uh, he grew up on a farm and uh, moved into the city and of course was educated and uh, became not only a scholar but a priest and uh, a famous priest at that. And so I'm going to share with you uh, some clips from the documentary titled A Servant of All. And it's a documentary made a number of years ago with the help of the Sheen Foundation in Peoria, Illinois. Uh, a beautiful one-hour documentary that um, uh, shows the life of Fulton Sheen, uh, many highlights, many testimonies. And so we'll play a lot of that for you today, for you to enjoy. Uh, because, you know, even though Fulton Sheen hasn't been declared a saint officially yet by the Catholic Church, uh, many of us declare him a saint in our hearts, and I think many of you would agree. And so, uh, without further ado, may I share with you this story, uh, narrated by a number of uh, EWTN personalities and uh, folks that you may recognize their voice, um, we, of course, thank uh, Monsignor Deptila, who, uh, again, will share a number of stories throughout this uh, documentary, but uh, still there'll be others that you will recognize. So, without further ado, I present to you Archbishop Sheen, a servant of all. Please enjoy. When Fulton was five, his family moved to Peoria, Illinois, where he achieved early success at St. Mary's Cathedral School. Even as a young man, he was beginning to respond to those calls to conversion. He was responding even as an altar server at St. Mary's Cathedral. When he was just a young boy, seven or eight years old, he was serving for the great Archbishop John Lancaster Spalding, the founder of the Diocese of Peoria, one of the founders of the Catholic University of America, a, a truly historical figure, an imposing man. I've never seen a photograph of Spalding where he smiled. He just looks like one of those very stern, late 19th century bishops. So here's this eight-year-old young farm kid that's just moved into the city, and he's serving mass for this great archbishop one morning. And whether he stepped on his cassock cam or tripped over the steps of the cathedral, the 
the wine cruet smashes on the floor. He used to say later on in his talks, he says, nothing sounds as loud as a glass cruet shattering on a marble floor in a cathedral in the presence of a bishop. They get through mass, mass is ended, Sheen's waiting in the sacristy for the bishop, figuring, gonna get the, the, the screaming of his life. Instead, whatever this inspiration was, Archbishop comes over to him, puts his hand on his shoulder, and says, young man, when you get big, where are you gonna go to school? Well, the high school just down the street was named Spalding Institute. So Sheen, without missing a beat, says, I'm going to Spalding Institute. But the bishop said to him, no, I don't mean that. He said, you go home and you tell your parents that when you get big, you're going to go to the University of Louvain in Belgium, as I did, and you will be a bishop, as I am. Where this prophecy came from, God only knows. But the truth is, Sheen did eventually go on to study at Louvain, became one of the most highly decorated scholars out of Louvain University, and what in fact became a bishop and an archbishop, just like Bishop Spalding. Fulton did go to Spalding Institute and he graduated at the top of his class, an achievement he would duplicate often in the years to come. After St. Viator's came St. Paul's Seminary in Minnesota, where he continued his studies until 1919, when on September 20th, Fulton Sheen was ordained as Father Sheen by Bishop Edmund Dunn. The ceremony was held in Peoria at St. Mary's Cathedral, where Father Fulton had been a clumsy altar boy 20 years before. Upon becoming a priest, Fulton committed himself to a daily discipline that he would continue for the rest of his life, to spend one hour every day in prayer before the Eucharist. And it was just so beautiful to see him go into the chapel and be on his knees and talk to the Lord. And everyone, of course, didn't want to disturb him, but I don't think they would disturb him. I think that he was caught up in a relationship with the Lord that all of us wish that we had. He was a man of intense prayer. He was not an actor. He used to say that for every minute he spoke, he spent an hour on his knees. After ordination, Father Sheen earned two additional degrees at Catholic University in Washington, D.C. He then went on to study in Paris, London, and Rome. Finally, in 1923, the prediction Bishop Spalding gave to an eight-year-old altar boy in Peoria came true. Fulton Sheen went to Louvain. Seeking a deeper material on St. Thomas, he was recommended or advised to go to the University of Louvain in Belgium, and uh, there he got his doctorate and then was even invited to study for a super doctorate called the Agrigé degree, which he won with highest distinction. First American ever to win that. In 1925, Fulton Sheen was 30 years old and one of the Catholic Church's most promising and well-recognized young scholars. He had reached his pinnacle as a student and was prayerfully considering offers from some of the world's most prestigious universities. But the church had another path in mind for the celebrated Father Sheen, one that led toward home.
In 1925, Fulton Sheen was on the brink of a promising academic career, but his bishop Edmund Dunn had other plans for the young priest. He was assigned to St. Patrick's in Peoria, a poor immigrant church where only 20% of the parishioners spoke English. Sheen went door to door to every home in the parish. At one house, a man hurled a wrench at the priest, who eventually calmed him during a 20-minute discussion about their favorite automobiles. The man and his family eventually joined the parish. She reminds us that our job is not to do, but to be, and to be like Jesus. That requires humility, it requires passion, it requires creativity. St. Patrick's was soon a thriving parish. And every time Father Sheen spoke, the small church was filled to capacity with new parishioners. After nine months, Bishop Dunn allowed Fulton to leave Peoria to pursue his teaching career. He explained, saying, I just wanted to see if you would be obedient. So run along now. You have my blessing. Father Sheen left for Washington, D.C., and a long-promised teaching position at Catholic University of America. The students, even the ones not registered for his courses, would pack into the lecture halls. They would line the sides, the steps. They would sit on the radiators just to hear Bishop Sheen talk. Said one student, you would no more think of raising a hand in one of his classes than telling the sun to stop shining. Nor can I honestly say that you'd want to. He was that spellbinding a teacher. He's inspiring to me, too, as an educator. Um, and even just the way that he taught, he knew how to captivate an audience and how to make ordinary things that nobody wants to think about accessible and to make them relevant. While a member of the faculty at Catholic University, Father Fulton began traveling the country, speaking at more than 100 engagements per year. He used to always say there were three elements in a good sermon or a good talk, a great beginning, a, a dynamite ending, and keep the two as close together as possible. <laughs> you had to hear his voice live to realize this was a beautiful instrument that he was using. His whole charismatic style, I mean, just the gaze at his eyes and the, the way he uh, looked, those were natural gifts. He was giving a mission lecture. He came into a banquet hall. They reiterated what they had put in writing. Uh, Your Excellency, would you limit it to 20, no more than 25 minutes? And then he came into the room, and of course, everyone went crazy. We had the meal, and then he was introduced. Well, talk about spellbound. 20 minutes came and went 25 minutes, 45 minutes, one hour and 10 minutes. Nobody complained. We were eating from his hands. You felt that one of the apostles was right there in front of you speaking, and that if you, if you miss the first 12, we'll listen to Sheen, <laughs> and he'll have a similar impact on your life. You are listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. I'm your host, Al Smith, and I want to thank you for joining me for this opportunity to uh, just learn about the life of Archbishop Sheen. Uh, it is great to hear the stories recalled of Archbishop Sheen's journey, of course, as a young boy serving at Holy Mass, of course, learning the faith 
uh, studying to be a priest. And so you see the hand of God, how he took this young farm boy uh, and, of course, um, allowed him the opportunities to become a priest. And again, these, um, I want to say, moments where our Lord shows off his power uh, through the week especially. And so uh, we are blessed to have Fulton Sheen uh, touch our lives. And uh, you can see that our Lord uh, was always working on his soul. Uh, and of course, Fulton Sheen knew full well the importance of saving souls. Uh, I think of his uh, famous quote from his 1949 book, Peace of Soul, where he said, unless souls are saved, nothing is saved. And so let us pray that we will have many priests like Fulton Sheen come up through the ranks. And uh, may I encourage you to reach out to seminarians and young men uh, discerning the priesthood. Uh, I cannot recommend enough the book, The Priest is Not His Own. Uh, again, it is available uh, through our website at bishopsheentoday.com. Uh, we've just republished uh, Again, Sheen's classic 1963 book. And so you can see it. Uh, you'll just look at the uh, cover. It'll say, The Priest is Not His Own, uh, Becoming the Father God Has Called You to Be. Uh, because, again, God is calling all fathers to become the fathers that God created them to be. And it's not just uh, the priest that serve the church sacramentally. It will be for those fathers who take up their position as the priest of the domestic church. Fathers are uh, given this great calling to uh, instruct their family in the faith, to lead in prayer. And sadly, we see this role uh, being abandoned. Uh, again, men not wanting to, be, wanting to be the priest, prophet, and king of their domestic church. Uh, so let us pray for uh, just a calling of men to take their positions. And as I said earlier, the book, The Priest is Not His Own, is a great resource manual for both uh, priests, uh, those aspiring to be you know, a priest in, in doing the sacramental work of uh, baptizing and uh, bringing people to the faith, uh, blessing marriages, uh, so much there. But uh, again, that important uh, priesthood of the domestic church, fathers taking their position. So I've read the book uh, a number of times now, and it always helps me in my role as uh, father and grandfather. And so uh, again, I must read that book again is The Priest is Not His Own, uh, Becoming the Father God Has Called You to Be. My dear friends, let's continue enjoying this uh, life story of Archbishop Sheen as we hear um, next, how he became a writer, an evangelist, and a missionary. Fulton was gaining recognition as a writer, publishing the first of 66 books he would eventually write. In 1979, I was finally able to go to the Holy Land, and I was a graduate student at the Catholic University of America, and I asked three professors there. Now, these were great intellectuals, and I asked them individually. I said, what life of Christ would you suggest as I go to the Holy Land? Every one of them said, bring Fulton J. Sheen's Life of Christ. Every book is dedicated to Our Lady. Every single one of them, beautiful dedications, either in Latin or in English. Oh, he was very devoted to Our Blessed Mother. 
he knew that it wasn't all about Mary. It was all about Jesus. And Mary, in everything she did, wanted to lead people to her son. She wanted to be like that for the world. He wanted to be like Mary to everyone he encountered. So do whatever he tells you was Our Lady's last line in Scripture. I think that would be maybe Sheen's last words too. When I found the Fulton Sheen book, Lift Up Your Heart, I was in search of a way to stay sober and not go back to ever having to use drugs or alcohol again and get God at the center of my life. And, and Fulton's readings and teachings did that for me. And some things really started to click for me. And I was just, could feel my insides, new things happening. And, and my heart was just going, you know, I was just kept reading it and reading it. I wasn't a real avid reader and I would just kept discovering very common things with the ego and the disease of addiction. The way he puts words together to get his thought across is divine, absolutely divine. In other words, there isn't any reason for despairing about being compulsive in anything. There's always some other force that we can invoke. And instead of despair, as Peter said to our Lord, depart from me, O Lord, I'm a sinful man. Our blessed Lord really was saying to Peter, that's all right, I know you are. That's why I want you. Between 1940 and 1960, the size of the Catholic Church doubled in the United States. Did Fulton Sheen have a hand in that? I'm sure he did. Probably to a degree that uh, would astound us. He really was one of the most uh, important evangelists in the history of the United States. He may have more, more souls to his record than anybody else in our nation. He's John the Baptist in the 20th century. Um, and no one, no one can chart that. I've heard numbers, hundreds of thousands, maybe a million or more and that he never missed an opportunity to lead someone to Christ. Whether that be to engage a Hollywood star, to engage a waitress. He would talk to cab drivers. He would talk to hobos, uh, nurses. Uh, sometimes I hide, try to hide behind a book in, a, in an airport, but he never hesitated to engage people and bring them to the Lord. He used to have little tiny crucifixes that he always carried with him. And he gave one to a Jewish gentleman. And he said, I'm going to give you a gift. And he said, um, you'll have to find out who his father is. His mother is Jewish, he said, and so is he. And he gave him the crucifix. And the next day, the man came back and he said, I know who he is and he knew who Jesus was on that cross. However, Fulton Sheen refused to take credit for any conversions. He said, I happen to be walking under the trees where the apples are ripe. I sometimes get credit for growing them or even plucking them, but I didn't grow the apples. God did. By 1948, Fulton Sheen had written 36 books. He also made his first television appearance on a local New York station. Stage lights melted the candles. The cameraman frequently tripped over wires and the audio was terrible. Yet the director described Sheen as magnetic and made for the medium. 
Sheen also took his first global tour as a guest of Francis Cardinal Spellman, the Archbishop of New York. While speaking on that tour, Fulton often drew crowds in the tens of thousands. He was received like a rock star. Literally, they'd lie in the streets, uh, screaming at his name, welcoming him to Australia. During his stay in Melbourne, a woman wrote to Sheen that her husband had left the church decades before. Sheen called the man, and shortly after their meeting began receiving his confession. The group made additional stops throughout the Pacific Rim, leading Fulton to write in his diary, a visit like ours gives one an entirely different impression of the world, enlarges a point of view, develops sympathy for others, and makes one mission-minded. And mission-minded is exactly what Fulton Sheen was about to become. The 1950s would prove to be an important decade for Fulton Sheen, and they began with big news. Pope Pius XII named Monsignor Sheen director of the church's principal missions organization called the Society for the Propagation of the Faith. As a missionary, he traveled the world, particularly around Africa, spreading the gospel, consecrating bishops, opening churches. Fulton Sheen, in his own life, of course, impacted the whole world. But in his travels, there were times the world impacted him as well. But he was going to meet 500 lepers. Well, when the first leper put out his arm, there was almost nothing to his hand. Leprosy had taken away so much of the hand of that person. And I guess when the bishop saw that, he was so shocked, pulled back, that what he did is he held the metal over the stump of the hand of that leper, and he dropped it, figuring, well, it'll fall on the hand, you know, on the hand. But it fell on the ground. And when he talked about that in one of his talks, he said, now there were no longer 500 lepers. There were 501. And he picked up that medal and he embedded it in the flesh of that leper. And he did that with the next 499 medals. Now, how many people could do that? When Fulton returned from his trip, he learned of another leper, this one living on the streets of New York. He was so deformed, he would never come out during the day. The bishop took care of him, took care of a, a place where he could stay. And every Friday, we would invite him to dinner. And he would stay with us all evening. And the bishop would have him for dinner frequently, and he would cut Victor's dinner for him. and. Uh, Victor had a very difficult time. Bishop really supported him. The bishop paid for him to have uh, all his operations, his medical care, and he was cured. But it did leave him somewhat deformed. But the bishop uh, got a job for him, got a place for him to live. He said to that young man, you may not have many friends, but you're going to have good friends. And he brought him into the church by being Christ for him first and, and then and serving him in this very humble, humane way. He didn't have, you know, people do it for him, you know. I'm Bishop Sheen, my people will take care of you. No, he when he took care of someone, he took care of them. You are listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home.
I'm your host, Al Smith, and I want to thank you for joining me for uh, this opportunity to uh, celebrate uh, the life and the legacy of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. I mentioned earlier in my uh, opening comments that our Blessed Lord uh, took Fulton Sheen home back on December the 9th, 1979. And uh, there were thousands that uh, processed uh, through the church to pay their respects to uh, the body that lay in state at uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. And thousands uh, attended his funeral. But uh, many people are asking me where the remains of Fulton Sheen are today. Uh, of course, they were in New York City at the cathedral at St. Patrick's for many years. But a couple of years ago, the remains uh, were transferred from New York to Peoria. Uh, it was in the year 2019. And uh, for these last few years, many people have been making pilgrimage to uh, St. Mary's Cathedral in Peoria, Illinois, to uh, visit the tomb of Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Uh, I've had the privilege many times to visit uh, St. Mary's Cathedral and pray at the tomb of Archbishop Sheen. And I would invite you all to uh, try to make pilgrimage to Peoria uh, to visit uh, this beautiful um, place of peace, I like to say. Uh, there is something very beautiful uh, about St. Mary's Cathedral and just uh, being in the presence of, I like to say, a saint in the making. Because um, we're still making him a saint. The process uh, to declare a saint in the Catholic Church can take years, if not a um, hundred years. But hopefully uh, within our own lifetime, we will see Fulton Sheen uh, declared a saint by the church. And so uh, we are blessed. But um, we are blessed, of course, to have this legacy left to us, uh, these audio recordings we've been sharing on Radio Maria. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading uh, the podcast. And um, I know that we've had hundreds of thousands of downloads over the years, and uh, people are sharing them and yeah, using them as they travel in their cars and uh, sharing them um, you know, all over social media. So uh, even though Fulton Sheen has uh, passed away many years ago, uh, we are still listening to him today. Thanks be to God. And again, I want to thank everyone who has been so generous over the years, um, just uh, supporting our little website, uh, simplybishopsheentoday.com. And there you'll find hundreds of videos and audio recordings. Uh, the books, of course, that I keep mentioning. I mentioned earlier the book, The Priest is Not His Own, a uh, book that I I just uh, share with everyone that I can. Um, again, there's so many beautiful Sheen books that he penned that are life-changing, I like to say. Um, but I want to invite you now, I've been speaking about uh, the charity book program, and uh, it's it's our way of giving back. It's kind of a win-win situation. Uh, we ask for uh, a donation of $20 Canadian, um, and we in turn will then put uh, a book in the mail for you uh, to get you a Sheen book uh, in return for your generosity. Now, I've got a list of 39 different Sheen books that you can choose from. 
and it doesn't matter where you live in the world I will get you that book um, the book could be again the priest is not his own that's one title uh, it could be the book God love you uh, it could be the book uh, victory over vice and the seven virtues uh, it could be the holy hour prayer book which uh, surprisingly is still a number one bestseller on Amazon uh, again for almost three years now and uh, again everybody is loving the holy hour especially again Fulton Sheen how he not only talked the talk he walked the walk he practiced the holy hour and so that is a very popular choice that book and so it is the charity book program and you can find it on the website bishopsheentoday.com all right we'll continue back now enjoying this uh, documentary on Fulton Sheen's life called Servant of All. And so uh, I will now share with you uh, Sheen's journey into television, uh, of course his um, prophetic work, and of course his generosity of raising so much money for the poor uh, and the marginalized all over the world. So uh, without further ado, I present to you again uh, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, Servant of All. Please enjoy. In 1951, Fulton Sheen had last received his mitre, being consecrated as an auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of New York. Seven months later, he embarked on yet another adventure. Dumont Broadcasting approached him to host a half-hour religious program. He agreed. And the results were historic. Ladies and gentlemen, Bishop Sheen. I think he was the first one and one of the one of the last really to present religion to the public in, in such a way as he did. People didn't uh, recoil or say, oh, this is nonsense, eternal off, because of the way he talked about it and, and the points he made. And like I say, I, I don't think anyone's had the chance to do that uh, since. There wasn't any other people, no props uh, that he used except his little blackboard. It was guardian angel that I think everybody tried to get a look at, try to see if they could see his guardian angel racing the board. Take, for example, the story of the, of the visitor who came in to visit this particular house, and uh, the lady said to the six-year-old girl, what are you going to do when you get as big as your mother? And the little girl said, diet. <laughs> now, it would have been terrible if you didn't laugh at that, because I would have to find another one. And the one... The one that I had in the back of my head was that a blonde dies by her own hand. But... <laughs> All right. You like the second one better. We'll use that. His appearance was terrific. His voice was great. He also had a great pair of eyes that looked right into your soul, you know, made you a little nervous. Opposite television's top show, Milton Berle's Texaco Star Theater, as well as the Frank Sinatra show. No one expected Sheen's Life is Worth Living program to be noticed. But America did take notice. There he was head to head with Milton Berle, who was generally acknowledged to be the father of television. But you know, as I recall, Bishop Sheen matched him uh, viewer for viewer. Within months, 30 million Americans were tuning in each Tuesday night for his unique mix of humor and morality. For example, you often see men walking the street with their hats on the side of their head. Nothing funny about that. 
But suppose you saw me coming down the middle aisle of a church like this. He came along at a time with a message which attracted uh, a mass audience, the non-church, the Protestant, and the Catholics. I thought he made tremendous impact on everybody, but especially the Catholic family. You know, you can't have dinner while watching that because you'll never eat your dinner. You're just awestruck on the magnitude of his studies, his love of the church. He knew what the meaning of life was, and that's what people can't find anywhere else. You can't find that in politics, and you can't find that in science. After only one season on the air, Bishop Fulton Sheen won an Emmy Award for the most outstanding personality on television. He remains the only religious broadcaster to have done so. In his acceptance speech, he thanked his writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Bishop Sheen also made use of television to make bold public predictions, further boosting his reputation as a prophet. Perhaps the best known story for Bishop Sheen about being prophetic was the one involving Stalin. He read the last scene of Julius Caesar substituting in for the names of Julius Caesar uh, and his uh, compatriots, the names of Stalin and the other chief uh, Russian uh, government officials of the day. And he read through uh, Shakespeare's uh, last act and which Caesar, of course, is met with treason and is killed. When he finished, Bishop Sheen looked at the camera and said, Mr. Stalin, your day will come also and it will come for you very soon. Five days later, Joseph Stalin, leader of the Soviet Union, suffered a paralyzing stroke. Four days after that, Stalin was dead. Being on television, he made a lot of money, but he gave it all to the propagation of the faith. I believe, and I don't know whether I should be quoted on this, I know it was over $17 million. How many of us would do that with our paycheck? We went to his apartment, very humble, um, nothing fancy. My children were very impressed with the idea that there wasn't anything fancy there and that it was very simple. I think they were expecting a lots of, you know, fancy things and ruffles and gold, I think and it was not there. We don't know how much money he handed out, but they, from witnesses, uh, there must have been a lot. One after the other, men would come over and press money into his hands, and uh, he would see a beggar on the street and take it out of his coat pocket and hand it to that person. As though he was saying, I'm not giving you the money. The gentleman who gave it to me is taking care of you. So that was his view of money. Whatever you get, you give. You know, he'd go out, he'd come back without his coat. And they'd say, where's your coat? You don't have a coat, it's cold out. Well, I, I met someone, they needed the coat, so he would give it. If you ever went to his house, he, and you said, well, I like this, it's a beautiful statue, it's a the next thing you'd know, it'd be in your hands. I used to tell my children, don't admire anything, because he'd make them take it home. I, it didn't matter what it was. On one of his birthdays, I gave him a clock. And when I did, I said, Bishop, don't give it away. And he said, I won't. 
And years later, when he was home from the hospital and recovering from open heart surgery, I was sitting in his bedroom and I looked at the foot of the bed and I said, that's a lovely clock. I didn't remember giving it. And he said, oh, take it back. You take it. And then I remembered what it was. So he gave it away. <laughs> well, one time, I, uh, I think it was maybe somebody he knew or something was giving me a very lovely gift. And I said, oh, I don't know. I just, you know, I don't know whether I should take this or not. And he said, well, Joan, he said, you take it, but always hold possessions with a detached spirit. And I've, I've never forgotten it, because that meant a lot to me. And I, I think that's a good way to live. I heard a story that he um, was walking down the street, and he saw a, uh, a woman was there. And she said, oh, Bishop Sheen, couldn't you come upstairs? Uh, my boys really love you. The boys had very bad teeth, from what I understand, and things like that, and so Bishop Sheen kept contact with them and then arranged for them to get medical treatment, to get dental, dental work. Could they do anything for him? No. He just uh, uh, tried to meet each person, I, I believe, uh, as Christ would meet them. His, his Christ-likeness was his ability to be with and among people. Uh, and to be for people. I don't think he ever did anything really for himself. You are listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. I'm your host, Al Smith, and I want to thank you for joining me as we celebrate the life and the legacy of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. You heard the story of Archbishop Sheen's generosity and how he gave all the proceeds from his uh, television show uh, to the propagation of the faith. And I remember <laughs> the sister that uh, was working with Archbishop Sheen, how she said there a few moments ago, how many of us would hand over our paycheck to the poor and the marginalized. How many would do that? And so, uh, again, you think of how uh, Archbishop Sheen truly wasn't thinking of himself. He was always thinking of others. And again, we want to encourage you to um, do what you can to support Catholic Radio. Uh, I think of how Radio Maria has fought for many years just to uh, spread the gospel. Again, the sacrifices of the many volunteers over the years. And it is through your generous donations to Radio Maria that uh, we have kept, uh, again, sharing the gospel all over the world. I, I, I'm blessed to share this show in uh, the Philippines, uh, in Australia, in the United Kingdom, uh, in Canada, and in the United States, uh, all because of generous donors such as yourself who keep uh, Radio Maria going. And it's not just the Bishop Sheen program. Of course, it's the Rosary and uh, so many other beautiful Catholic programs that we share here on Radio Maria. And so uh, your generosity to our efforts, uh, just keep the lights on, but keep the uh, faith burning bright. And so, again, thank you for your many years of support, both financial and spiritual. 
And uh, again, if Fulton Sheen was alive today, I'm sure he would be uh, giving a glowing endorsement to the work of Radio Maria. Now, I mentioned to you earlier that the uh, remains of Archbishop Sheen are in Peoria, Illinois. And many people have questions about the cause for his canonization. And there is a website that has been set up, and it's simply www.celebratesheen.com. And at that website, you will find everything about the tomb, the Fulton Sheen Museum, uh, a biography of Fulton Sheen's life, uh, the cause for his canonization, uh, a list of prayers that we encourage you to pray. Uh, but everything is there, again, about Fulton Sheen, his life, and the cause for his canonization. And again, that website is simply celebratesheen.com. And uh, because we are celebrating his life. And so, uh, one more time, www.celebratesheen.com for all the information on Sheen's canonization process, uh, the tomb, uh, St. Mary's Cathedral, and of course the Sheen Museum, which uh, many people visit and enjoy. Uh, I tell you, it is a real treat. Uh, you will spend hours in there looking at so many beautiful artifacts and pieces um, again. Um, and the museum is still growing. Uh, many items continue to be donated to the Sheen Museum. So uh, again, uh, please make a trip to Peoria uh, in the future, and you'll be glad you did. So again, the website is www.celebratesheen.com. All right, we'll spend a few moments now enjoying the end of this documentary uh, titled Servant of All, uh, The Life and Legacy of Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Please enjoy. The years following Vatican II proved challenging for Fulton Sheen, including ongoing difficulties with the man who helped bring him to New York, Cardinal Spellman. While neither man spoke publicly of their strained relationship, it remained a painful 10-year period for Bishop Sheen, though one he chose not to write about in his autobiography. I think he looked and said, that is over, that's forgiven, we've come through all of that. But it was difficult, very difficult. Bishop Sheen wrote of these feelings later, saying, Christianity begins not with sunshine, but with defeat. During those days when my life was backed up against the cross, I began to know and to love it more. He's challenging uh, priests to realize that the difficulties they're facing are not obstacles necessarily to be run away from, but are possibly the path that Jesus has chosen to have them accept as part of the cross. After all, he transformed evil on the cross. In 1966, Bishop Sheen was handed an entirely new challenge when he was installed as Bishop of the Diocese of Rochester, New York. And no one, including the Bishop, saw it coming. I, I was down in the kitchen of the friary getting a cup of coffee in the afternoon, and this brother comes running in and he says, guess who our new bishop is? 
And I said, who is it? Who is it? He said, it's Bishop Fulton Sheen. I said, oh, come on now. They're not going to send him up here to the little diocese of Rochester. Sure enough, that's where he came. And I couldn't believe it at first. He told me that he was going to go to Rochester. And I said, why Rochester? And he said, well, you know, when I became a priest, I was told, you went where you were sent. And he said, that's what I am doing. Anything that happened to him, he just uh, accepted everything as uh, that's where God wanted him to be. There were some who maybe disagreed with him. They felt he was too traditional in theology, especially after Vatican II. He suffered a bit from that. Well, the bishop also began to lose national support for publicly supporting civil rights and for being critical of the war in Vietnam. In fact, he stated that dollars spent on bullets would be better spent caring for the poor. People just revolted against him about it. And it was a very sad, sad time. But he accepted it. He really accepted He didn't complain about it. Uh, he just wished that he could have gotten his message through. And he had three years there. There were not very, very wonderful years in his life, I might say, because it was taxing for him. At the age of 74, just one month after celebrating his 50th year of the priesthood, Bishop Fulton J. Sheen resigned his position and left Rochester. And I got a phone call from the bishop saying, Marlene, I'm going to have open heart surgery and I'm not worried about it, but everybody else is. But whatever the Lord wants, that's it. I will do it. They needed blood. And so they sent out the word, and they had to keep the blood bank open because so many firemen and policemen came to give blood. And I went up to New York, to Lenox Hill Hospital, to be there. It was traumatic. And then he started to bleed again, and he had to be, you know, re-operated on, so to speak. And it was very, very uh, tough for him because he was a very private person in many ways. Never stopped, you know, serving our Lord, even when he was uh, very ill. Um, it was just like every minute he had that he could be of some service uh, to the church or to our Lord, he used it and used it well. Great story that Bishop O'Mara tells is in the ICU unit, the man next to him was dying. I was there, and his hand went up and made the sign of the cross. It gives me a chill. I can't imagine being in those circumstances, which I've visited but not yet had to lie there on the, on the gurney and start talking to the poor patient next to me about Jesus Christ. I love the Lord, but Fulton Sheen constantly would engage people uh, in thinking about Christ and his gospel. He had a wonderful friendship with Mother Teresa of Calcutta. She went to see him, you know, he was in bed his last year when he had the three heart operations, you know, and uh, Mother came in, and, oh, Mother, how are you? She's so excited to see Mother Teresa of Calcutta. You know, it's like one saint dealing with another. You know, she loved his book on the life of Christ. The sisters told me, the missionaries of charity told me, they, they said, Mother always carried that book with her. And she had the sisters read that during Holy Week. When he was in the hospital, 
Some priests said to Cardinal Cook, well, now the bishop really knows what suffering is. And the cardinal looked at the priest and said, oh no, he has always known what suffering is. I've had a great deal of suffering in the 83 years of my life. Physical suffering and other suffering. It should never have happened. It lasted over many years. And yet, as I look back, I know very well that I have never received the punishment that I deserved. God has been easy with me. On October 2nd, 1979, New York City was visited by Archbishop Sheen's old friend, the newly elected Pope John Paul II. So many people were there. The church was crowded, maybe four or 5,000 people there. As the Pope entered St. Patrick's Cathedral, someone led a very feeble Archbishop Sheen forward to meet him. He knew the Pope as the man John Paul and as the Vicar of Christ. He was meeting Christ there. And yet, the Pope embraced him and did not allow him to, uh, to kneel down in front of him. He had such a tremendous uh, esteem of the bishop. The picture captures it all. The Holy, the Holy Father holds him in his arms, and of course, the, uh, that huge, vast, magnificent cathedral stood up and applauded. Uh, Fulton Sheen was uh, an icon of the best of American Catholicism and the Holy Father affirmed that. I was 15 feet away from him. It was a, a special moment in my life. As they embraced, the Pope spoke into the ears of Fulton Sheen a blessing and an affirmation. You have written and spoken well of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a loyal son of the church. And that's what he wanted to be and to have it come from Peter was important to him. What was stripped away in that moment, it wasn't about the TVME or the radio messages or, or the 60 books. It was about what he wrote and what he said and how he lived his life. It's the culmination of a whole life when the Pope can embrace you and say, You've been a loyal son of the church, and he was. In the final months of his life, Fulton Sheen worked toward finishing his autobiography. He also came to a place of greater understanding about himself. He wrote an autobiography that asks forgiveness for his pride and the wisdom of being humble to a degree that he sometimes, he confesses, could not reach. He wrote, while many young priests sought ways to imitate the way I preached, was it inspiring anyone to imitate Christ? I knew it was not right. I knew I should be giving away more than I gave. 
I should have resembled more closely Christ, who had nowhere to lay his head. I should have fled from the applauding mobs. We certainly see at the end of Fulton Sheen's life, a man purified in the fires of love, purified by the wood of the cross. On the morning of December 9th, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen was found in death in the one place he truly lived, before the Eucharist in his private chapel, in the shadow of the cross. For two days, thousands of people filed by Sheen's coffin at St. Patrick's Cathedral, touching his hand as they passed. At the final mass held in his honor, four cardinals were present, along with 48 bishops and more than 2,000 mourners, including old friends Billy Graham and Rabbi Mark Tannenbaum. Archbishop Sheen's longtime friend, Archbishop O'Meara, gave the eulogy. Bye now, Fulton Sheen. And God love you forever. Show me your hands. Have you a scar from giving? Show me your feet. Were you wounded in service? Show me your heart. Have you left a place for divine love? You are listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. I'm your host, Al Smith, and I want to thank you for joining me for uh, this special edition of Bishop Sheen Presents. We've been recalling the life and legacy of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen as we celebrate the anniversary of his death on December the 9th, 1979. I would encourage you to pray for the intercession of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen and to also pray for a spiritual favor. Uh, we can call upon the saints uh, for favors. And so may I lead you in uh, praying for a spiritual favor through the intercession of Archbishop Sheen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Eternal Father, you alone grant us every blessing in heaven and on earth through the redemptive mission of your divine Son, Jesus Christ, and by the working of the Holy Spirit. If it be according to your will, glorify your servant, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, by granting the favor we now request through his prayerful intercession. And here we uh, lay upon our blessed Lord and Our Lady the intentions in our heart. And we make this prayer confidently through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My dear friends, thanks for joining me today. And may I tell you of that website once again uh, of celebrating Sheen. 
uh, the site with uh, all the information about Archbishop Sheen's uh, canonization process and his cause. Again, it's www.celebratesheen.com. Uh, the beautiful prayer I just mentioned to you uh, is there on the website along with some other prayers. And so uh, please, uh, if you're looking for information uh, regarding Sheen and his canonization, uh, that is the site to go to. And may I invite you to come to Peoria to visit the tomb of Archbishop Sheen and to pray there. Uh, my dear friends, I am grateful for all your generosity towards my humble apostolate of Bishop Sheen today. And I'd invite you to visit my website at bishopsheentoday.com. A gentle reminder of our charity book program. And of course, uh, just uh, sharing uh, the wisdom of Sheen. Uh, with friends and family as the Christmas season approaches. Uh, some of the best Christmas gifts are books, and so maybe you may want to pick up a book or two for those on your list. My dear friends, have a great and blessed week, and until the next time that we meet, may the good Lord continue to bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, and may the Lord look upon you kindly and bring you peace. God love you. Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, Ora Pronovis.